So if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a book called Jonah. Most of you know the story of Jonah, the Jonah and the big fish, Jonah and the whale. And consequences, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, uh, occur because we make bad choices, right? We choose something that is contrary to what God's will is, and therefore we have to face consequences of those choices. Jonah has done so. When God tells him to go east, he goes west, and he goes down, as the text says, and he goes down, and he goes down. He goes far away from God's will for his life. Some of you have experienced that. I've experienced that, where I've done my own thing, and I've had to face the consequences of those choices. If you haven't, if you haven't experienced that, if you can't look in your own life and, and reflect on your own disobedience, um, I pray that God would would show you those times because the word says that we're all sinners. We all choose our own path. One particular text says that we choose darkness over light. And Jonah has experienced this, as Christian asked me just a few minutes ago, what was the punishment for Jonah? I can't think of anything worse than being in the belly of a fish for three days. Right? I like fish, as we've talked about, but to smell like that, to live like that, uh, it's a great opportunity to cry out to God. And that's exactly what Jonah does. We get to chapter 3. It sounds like that Jonah has figured out he doesn't want to be in the belly of the fish, and so God hurls him back onto land and gives him another chance. How many of you need a God who gives second chances, right? We all do. God's a gracious God. He's long-suffering. He's patient with us. He doesn't want anybody to, be, uh, to live in eternity apart from God. It's so encouraging to me when I think about my own life. And so God gives opportunity again to Jonah to hear the second time. The scholars I read this past week talk about new beginnings. New beginnings. New beginnings. You think about scripture and you think about how many times does God provide new beginnings, new opportunities, right? So we have the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2. And just following in chapter 6 through 9, we have the Noah account where God is so frustrated with man, it grieves his heart that man has become so wicked that he destroys mankind with a flood. And then Noah gets out of the boat and he creates this altar and he provides sacrifice toward God and God begins again. Only to find in chapter 11, we have these people that are so focused on themselves again, they're so self-focused that they want to make a name for themselves. Does that sound familiar? And so God starts again in chapter 12 of Genesis with Abraham and the Israelites, and he begins this, this idea of creation, this idea of restoration, this idea of beginning again is not, nothing new for God. And Jonah is a great example of that. In just three chapters we see God beginning again. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you'll look in your own life and you'll see God begins a second time. And a third time, and a tenth time, and a hundredth time, and get the point, right? And so Jonah has another opportunity. Look what it says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, this is going to sound really familiar, Jonah, right? Arise, go to the people that you don't like. I've, I've, I've called you to love your brother Jonah. 
I've called, to love, I've called you to love your neighbor. We talked about the Good Samaritan a couple of weeks ago, but who's my neighbor? Your neighbor is somebody that you probably don't like. Your neighbor is somebody that's not like you. Go to Nineveh. Go to the Assyrians. Go to the pagans. Go to the people that you think are beyond God's grace, Jonah. Some of you have Assyrians. Some of you have Ninevites. Some of you have pagans in your own home. Some of you have convinced yourself that God's grace is too much for those people. You may not admit to that out loud, but here you, you begin to believe that. So Jonah came, to, it, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to these people, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So this time, instead of going down to Tarshish, instead of going down and buying a fare, instead of going down and buying a ticket and going the opposite direction, Jonah has learned, seems that he has learned his lesson. Not so fast. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey, it says, in breadth. It's a large city. In the ancient Near East, Nineveh was a capital of Assyria at a lot of different times. And so it's a, it's a metropolis. It's a place where a lot of different things happen. And if you're not familiar with your, your Bible history, you know in a lot of times in the urban areas what happens when you gather Three people together, five people together, 20 people together, 100 people together, thousands of people together, millions of people together. What happens? Sin runs rampant, right? You know why that is? Because we're all sinners. And when you bring sin to the table, and I bring sin to the table, and they bring sin to the table, and they bring sin to the table, guess what happens? Sin just continues to multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. And yet Nineveh is no different than Jerusalem. Nineveh is no different than McKinney. Nineveh is no different than places that we're well aware of. But it's a large city. It's a big city. Jonah began to go into the city. It says, a day's journey, and he called out, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Let me stop here for just a second and remind you that the commission that we're given as followers of Jesus Christ is not our commission. It's not a, it's not a message that comes from Hillcrest Christian Church. In other words, we'll, we'll give a state of the church here in a couple of months, and you'll hear more about loving God, loving people, loving by going. You'll hear it over and over again throughout this year. But your commission is not given to you by Hillcrest Christian Church. It's not given to you by an individual. It's not given to you by a pastor. It's not given to you by a, a, a group of elders. Your, your commission is given to you by God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me for this reason, or therefore, go into the world. Go to Jerusalem, go to Judea, go to Samaria, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. You guys know the Great Commission. The Great Commission comes from God himself, comes from Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 28. Right? So everything we do to include loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, to include loving God, loving people, loving by going, all goes back to the great commission, not given by me, not given by anybody else, but Jesus Christ, but God himself. The text reminds us here, in the Old Testament prophet of Jonah, of grace and of the commission that God, had, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, right? Happens in chapter 1. This time Jonah doesn't listen. There's consequences for that. 
Here we have it in chapter 3. The word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. Right? It's the, it's the commission of God. Everything that we do should be about. Not my, not my motivation, not your motivation. It's all based upon... When we understand that we've been bought with a price, that's what the scripture says, when we understand we've been bought with a price, we are no longer ourselves. We don't have ownership over anything. We are bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. That changes everything. Paul uses in the Greek this word doulos. The word doulos means bondservant. It means slave. And he says, you're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to the flesh. You're no longer a slave to fill your name in the blank. You are a slave to Jesus Christ. You're a slave to the righteousness. We looked at it in Romans chapter 3, didn't we? If you've taken notes, write down Romans 3, 21 through 28. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not any kind of law. Not any kind of, of, of signature that man can provide. Not anything in the world can provide this righteousness. The righteousness only comes through Jesus Christ. Paul is clear about that, right? If we understand that it's no longer about us, everything changes. When Jesus is asked by his closest followers, Lord, teach us how to pray, what does he say? Your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, not all these other things going on, but your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever been a part of a meeting where it seems like this person has an agenda, this person has a different agenda, this person has a different agenda, and this person has a different You understand what I'm talking about? When you put different people in the, in the room together and you say, work something out, and they all have their own agenda, how do you, how do you suppose that's going to work out? Not very well. Is that fair? It's not going to work out very well. That's true not just in the secular world, it's true in the world of the church. When everybody comes to a meeting place, to a table with their own agenda, it will never it will never be successful. But what happens, what happens when you understand this is not your commission, this is God's commission? What, what happens when you understand this is not about me, this is about God? What happens if, if we understand that the commission that God has given us is to go, baptize, teach, etc., etc.? What happens when that takes place? Then this person gives up his agenda for God's agenda. This person gives up his agenda for God's agenda. This person gives up his agenda, you get the idea. Jonah has to understand it's not about me. I don't get to choose my brother. I don't get to choose my neighbor. I don't care if they are Ninevites. I don't care if they are Assyrians. I don't care if they are horrible people that carry people off by their nose. Right? It doesn't really matter. I don't care if these people are pagans. God has chosen what you should do, and it's about his commission. Sometimes we need to understand that. This is not about my wants. This is not about my desires. This is, not what I, this is not what I think that makes me happy. This is about what God wants. It's God's commission. Secondly, I think it's important that you see, Jonah began to go into the city, it says, verse 4, going a day's journey, and he called out, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's not a warm, touchy, feely message. 
is it? Another way to say that is you're going to be destroyed here pretty quickly. Forty days, by the way, the word, the number 40 is pretty prevalent throughout Scripture. I mean, you see 40 days, the temptation of Jesus. You see 40 days when, when Noah is sending out a dove and it comes back. And you, 40 days is, is, pretty, is pretty common. It's an extended amount of time, right? So don't, don't think of 40 as 40 calendar days, 24-hour days, but think of a sufficient amount of time. God's judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming. Nobody wants to hear God's judgment is coming, right? That's the message of the prophets. The mouthpiece of God, the prophets, the Isaiahs, the Jeremiahs, the everybody that God gives the, the role of being a prophet was not popular because they had the message of repent. Repent. The word repent in the Hebrew is you're going one way and you shuv, you turn and you go the other way. Repent, go the other way, and you'll live. If you don't repent, what happens? You'll be destroyed. Those of you who've been in our Genesis Bible study on Wednesday nights, what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah? Done away with, right? Why? Because of the wickedness, the evil, right? That's why the three visitors show up to Abraham. Jonah is given a, particular, a specific message that says you need to turn, you need to repent, you need to, you need to turn from, you need to shoo from your wickedness or you will face the punishment. In other words, it's not Jonah's message, it's God's message. Jonah is simply the facilitator of God's message. Now, we live in a world where preachers don't mention sin, they don't mention Satan, they don't mention hell, they don't mention... Can I give you, we don't have time for a laundry list of things that people won't mention, right? And the New Testament says, church, and you guys know this, the New Testament says there will come a point in time where people just want their ears tickled. They want to continue in their sin and not be called out for their sin, right? Is that the same world you live in? I mean, that's the world I live in. People just go about their business and they say, well, God's a gracious God and God will love me and God will, God, we're all sinners, right? We're all sinners. There's, there's no sin greater than the other. We're all sinners. We're all, and I would agree with all that. The problem with that is we rationalize our sin. Right? When you say, I'm just a sinner, and you leave it at that, there's a problem. When you rationalize your sin, when you understand that God wants to do something about your sin, but he's not going to do something about it unless you turn, unless you shove, unless you repent. And if you don't, what happens? Sodom and Gomorrah? Right? I mean, the reason that when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the reason that we're told that God the Father has to turn his face is because he cannot coexist with evil. He cannot coexist. A holy God does not coexist with an unholy people. Does that make sense? Jonah understands, and he's probably pretty happy. I mean, there's, there's times where you have to share a message, right? If, especially if you don't like these people. You have to share a message, and you're like, hey, these people need to hear it. They're wicked people. They need to hear it, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're, you're, you're a little bit more bold that day, right? 
you're going to burn. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. You're going to get this, right? God's going to get you. God's going to get you. But Jonah has to understand it's not about his message. It's God's message. I wish people in our world, and, and, and I'm not talking, I, I read a, some of you know the Christian Standard, a Christian Standard publication, it's now a monthly publication, it used to be a weekly publication. Anybody still get the Christian Standard, by the way? Nobody? Oh, man. You need to come in sometime this next month and borrow mine from this month. Uh, Bob Russell, some of you know the name Bob Russell, who preached at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville for years and years and years, wrote a an article about the seven things that the church has damaged itself about. One of those things is, is we don't preach the full counsel of God. What does he mean by the full counsel of God? One of the things is we don't tell people to repent from their sins. We allow them to exist in their sins and say, well, God will love you anyway. That's true. But you need to repent. You need to turn from your wicked ways. You need to be different than the world, right? Be holy because I'm holy. That's pretty black and white, right? There's no gray area there. Be set apart from the rest of the world. And so Russell talks in this article, great article, that he talks about this balance between this side of, of always beating people over the head with the Bible and saying your sin is worse than anybody else's sin. That's, that's not what Jesus did, right? Jesus said, I love you. Therefore, change, right? The other, the other end is, is, is this idea of everything, everything is, is open. Everything is, nothing is sin, right? Everything is okay. Everything is, well, that's not, that's not true either. And so Russell argues for this idea, and I think it's a scriptural idea, of this fair balance between not either or, but both and, Right? Yes, Jesus says, nor do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Remember that? Jesus is also the one overturning the money changers table in the temple, saying, you've made this house of prayer a den of robbers. Right? There's still standards. Jesus is saying, make sure you understand that. The point I'm trying to get at is this is not Bob Russell's message. This is not Jonah's message. This is not Mike Crow's message. This is not Billy Graham's message. This is not your favorite preacher's message. This is God's message. And when Jonah gives a message that either he's excited or not excited about to give, it doesn't really matter. It's God's message. And Jonah does not want to be in the belly of a fish for another three days or a day and a half or another hour. Right? Paul tells us there's something that compels us to speak about God, something that urges us, something that convinces us this is the most important thing. It's all about God's message. Right? Now, it's up to you what you decide to do with that message. I'm just here to simply share the message. Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, let's have an altar call, right? And the people of Nineveh believed God. Amazing. These are pagans. These are Assyrians. These are, these are not Israelites. These are far from God. These are, the reason he's there is because of the evil, right? And it says, as soon as Noah preached the message of God, do you understand that wherever God calls you to go, God has already been there? 
Do you hear that? The reason that we don't go, Mark, the reason we don't go to places is because we're afraid. I'm being honest. God calls us, right? We don't go because we're afraid. God gives us another chance, calls us to the same thing. And I really understand, if I I understand it right, if I understand Scripture right, if I understand that God is already there, why would I be afraid? If God is already working among the Assyrians, Jonah has to just provide the message, right? As a preacher, as a teacher, as an elder, as a layperson, it's so important, hear me on this, it's so important that we understand that I can't change your heart. A teacher can't change your heart. An elder can't change your heart. We're, we're to give you the message. Only the Holy Spirit can change you, right? When you're called to go and share the gospel with somebody, when, when you're called to go and love somebody, you have to understand God's already working on that person's heart. You can't change their heart, but the Holy Spirit does that. And he allows you to be a part when you go and share the message. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there's nothing intellectual about me getting up and telling you. I'm just telling you things you already ought to know, especially if you have the scripture for you, right? This is just confirming what God has already told us. I love what it says, and the people, the pagans, the unbelievers believed, they believed God. Right? Altar call. Right? They, they were. They called for a fast. How do we know they believed? It's not just here, right? It's here. Well, your belief is not just this mental ascent. It's not just saying things, but you have to act upon those things. They believed God. They called upon a fast. They put on sackcloth. Not comfortable, right? It's like a burlap sack, right? Where you, you imagine wearing a burlap sack. Um, in the West, most of us don't even fast. We don't like the uncomfortable feeling of not having food in our stomach, right? They believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. This is not just the haves and the have-nots. This is the people and the animals. Everything they own. That's something that's so contrary to our culture now. From the least to the greatest, everything, everybody, everybody understands Jonah's message is not just an individual message, it's a collective message. We've got to turn from our wicked ways. Some of you know the Second Chronicles text. Um, if my people will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. Right? Isn't that true? It's not just a one-time thing. And that's definitely a prayer we need to answer today. Right? The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, he removed his robe, and he covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. This is the most powerful man in Assyria. Even he was convicted, and he issued a proclamation. He published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. 
We're all fasting. Everybody's fasting from the from the mules to the chickens to the horses, the poor, the rich. We're not going to taste anything. We're not going to feed. We're not going to drink water. But let, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Notice that. These are pagans, remember. These are unbelievers. Remember the first part of Jonah? Who's the one crying out to God? It's not Jonah, right? It's the sailors. The ones who were polytheistic, the ones that were so focused on all these other gods, but they're crying out to God, the irony here. Let us cry out to God, it says. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Verse 10 says, when God saw what they did, not what he heard, voice, this is not just lip service, this is not I believe, therefore you've got to let me into heaven. When he saw what they did, it says, how they turn from their evil way. Going one way, I'm going to shove, I'm going to turn and go the 180 degrees, I'm going to go the opposite direction. That leads to chaos. That leads to separation from God. But when I turn and follow after God's directives, guess what happens? When God saw they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Number three, not only is it God's commission, not only is God's message, but it's also God's decision. The reason, and we'll see this again next week, the reason that God sends Jonah to preach to the Ninevites is because Jonah is the least likely to go to the Ninevites. And the reason that God sends Jonah is because Jonah thinks the Ninevites are beyond God's grace. And it's not up to Jonah to decide if God's grace is sufficient or not, right? God gets to decide that. There are people in your life, church, that need to hear the gospel message. Yes, the gospel message, and they need to hear that their sin is keeping them away from God. We need to share that in love. We need to make sure they understand that they're not beyond God's grace. And we also need to understand that it's not for us to decide whether God relents and does not destroy them or not. Right? Right? This is a text of grace. This is a passage in, Genesis, in, in Jonah chapter 3 that speaks of grace. Grace toward the pagan, the pagan sailors. Grace toward the Assyrians. Grace even to the prophet of God. And it should encourage you, it should encourage me, it should encourage our world that God is a God of grace. Yes, there are standards, and God will provide consequences, hence the fish. Eventually, a place called hell. There are consequences for our sin. Don't kid yourself. There are consequences for our sin. And yet, God is also a gracious God. Praise God.